This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks St. Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. I'm not going to go over all the things we've been looking at over the last few weeks, but I think it's such a vital thing. That the reason why I'm talking about the heart because everything we are and everything we do ultimately flows from the heart. It's all about the condition of your heart. We've looked at uh, the repentant heart. Uh, we've looked at the, the wounded heart, the humble heart, the hungry heart. Not the hungry horse, the hungry heart. Uh, so we look at the various conditions. The reason I'm doing that is sometimes you locate. It helps you realise areas of your heart that you need to deal with. And This morning I'm probably going to complete it, but I want to talk a really big, this is a biggie, this is an absolute biggie. And I've called it freedom from the heart of unbelief kind of follows on all that we've even thought about uh, this, this morning already. The, the unbelief. I want us to really, really think about how to deal with unbelief in our hearts. It's a massive big one. Sometimes it's there worth even realising it's an issue. And I think particularly in the days in which we're living, there's so much that's it's attacking faith. There's so much attacking uh, this area. So I want to... Hopefully at the end of we looked at this, uh, we'd have a real, real sense of faith and dependency on God will arise through all the challenges that we face. How many know that just because we have faith, it doesn't mean we're not going to have any challenges? In fact, if we have faith, that's the very thing that's going to challenge you, your faith. Is that right? So Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. I don't think we kind of see unbelief as a particular problem. Sometimes we often are so accustomed to it, we kind of just put up with it and live with it. But here's a warning. Notice what, how the, what the Bible term of unbelief is. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12. Beware brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So an unbelieving heart there is called a heart, an evil heart of unbelief. I said before that what God is after above all else is after our hearts. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about God. He said God wants all our hearts. This is what it's all about. Don't want part of your heart. He wants all your heart. And I've kind of found this in life, and I'm sure you may have found this yourself, that the more I become, the best way to describe it, how much God can do in my life is dependent of how much of my heart he has. The more of my heart he has, the more God will work in me. He works through me, but first of all, he has to work in me to work through me. I mean, you can see that. And so we're just thinking about this. And as we talk about this idea of the heart, and, we, and we, as we think about unbelief and we talk about faith, faith ultimately is not a condition of your head. Faith is all about a condition of your heart. Unbelief really is a condition of the heart, not a condition of the head. And I think many people struggle with God, they struggle with his power, they struggle with his nature. It's rather like that man. Remember that man who brought his son for deliverance? And Jesus said to him, do you believe? So I believe, Lord, but help me in my unbelief. 
And I think sometimes that's a, a kind of prayer we have. Maybe you've experienced some struggle to believe God for a certain area. Maybe it's to, it's, it, you find it hard to have faith for your family's salvation. Maybe it's hard to have faith where you're struggling for, to, to perceive God as your healer. Or you're struggling to believe God to provide for a certain need in your life. In other words, there's some aspect. that still has unbelief. There's, there's a, a part of your heart that, that really struggles with certain aspects of, of faith and believing God. Here's what I to see, that where there is unbelief in our hearts, it prevents us, it hinders us from receiving from God. That is the big thing. What did Jesus emphasise more than anything else? Wasn't it faith? He either... He either, he either sort of really spoke well of people's faith or he rebuked them because of their lack of faith. And often the ones that had the faith were the ones who were the most unlikeliest ones to have the faith. Do you notice that? The, the ones who were seen as Gentiles or people outside of the coven were often the ones who reached out in faith. But the ones who should have had the faith weren't the ones who had the faith. Let me just say that. And so faith was a very much a strong emphasis of our ability to receive from God was the condition of our heart, the condition of faith. And here we're told in Hebrews 3.12 that unbelief means a departure from the living God. And sometimes people can try to, to address unbelief from a, almost a part of the mind. It's all down to the condition of the heart. And the condition of the heart influences the, inf- the condition of the mind. And here's a way to see where there is unbelief in our hearts, every endeavour that we do will actually not be effective. I'll tell you what that, the Bible says. The Bible says that, if we, that when we do things through unbelief, when we do things that are not of faith, then the Bible calls what we do dead works. In other words, it's unproductive. It doesn't produce unless it comes from a heart of faith. Whatever is not of faith doesn't please God. Everybody can see that. And so when we do things that actually don't elevate from trust and dependency on God, the Bible says it, 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 it's a dead work. It's unproductive. And so it's only what, what flows out of a heart of faith actually produces the things that God desires it for it to produce. Okay. Let's ask ourselves, what was the origin of unbelief? What is unbelief? Unbelief is where we have doubt towards God, doubt towards his word, we doubt his, we doubt his nature, we doubt his character, we doubt his power. How did we pick up unbelief? What's the origin of unbelief? When God created Adam and Eve, remember that in the garden, the Bible says they had a heart of innocence. So whatever God said, they believed it. They didn't question it, they didn't debate it, they didn't reason it, because they had a childlike innocence, they believed everything God said 
and everything God spoke. But the moment they disobey God, they disobey God because they questioned what he said. Because when Satan came against them, this is how he came against them. He says, did God really say that? And he made them doubt and question what God had actually spoken. And out of their doubts, out of their unbelief, the result of that was disobedience. And you will look back on any area of your life and you'll see areas where you disobeyed God, you'll find the root of that disobedience often came out of unbelief. That was the root of it right there. And where there is unbelief, often the result of unbelief will be disobedience. And the moment they disobeyed, the Bible says, they they ate of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Remember that? And the moment they did that, they then no longer lived a life of trusting and depending on God. They lived by reason. They lived by logic. They lived by their senses, what they could see, what they could feel. They lived their life, instead of living out of dependence and trusting on God, they lived a life by living by their five senses, natural senses, ruled and controlled them. No longer depending and trusting God. They lived by sense knowledge, what they could see, what they could feel, rather than living a life of trusting God in childlike faith. And we can see how that came in. Proverbs chapter 3. I think this is an amazing, what a challenge this verse is. It's kind of one verse, if you underline your Bible, this is probably a good one to do. Proverbs 3 verse 5. This is what it says. I'm sure it's familiar to us, but let's just remind ourselves of it. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your what? Own understanding. Here's a picture there. That when God has your heart fully, I'll tell you you how you know how fully God has your heart. Because if God has your heart fully, then you will fully trust him. You see that? The more of my heart he has, the more I will trust him. The more I will believe him. The more I'll be consumed with trusting God. And I think the one thing that often can hold up our breakthroughs, so I tell you what it is, because we try to figure it out. We try to reason out how God is going to do it. And the Bible says, don't what lean to your own understanding. If you can figure out how God is going to do it, then he's no longer God. Is that right? And the Bible says, don't reason it out, don't try and figure it out, but simply trust the Lord with all your heart. And you'll find this, that every situation, every circumstance, every challenge you face will show you what you're trusting in. You found that? Often the challenges that come begin to reveal to our hearts really what we're really trusting in. 
It's easy to say you're trusting in God when everything's going well, is that right? When the sun is shining, when there's no problem, when there's no challenge, it's very easy then to say, yes, I'm really trusting God. The real test comes is when the challenges come, is when the difficulties come, when things happen beyond your control. Then the real test then is how much am I really trusting God? I found this, and this is I found in my own experience. One of the ways that God often breaks me and works in me is when I come to a situation where it's beyond my ability to control it. Beyond my power to do anything about it. Beyond my ability to sort the thing out. How many have found that? And often it's in that place. All the props are kind of kicked from underneath you. All the people you relied on don't seem to be there. All the resources you need are not there anymore. And you have no other place to turn to but God himself. And I think sometimes God allows those moments so we begin to say, God, I have no one else to trust but you. And you're fine in in those situations. God will not fail you. God will not let you down. He is faithful and he is totally dependable. Can you say amen? Because God is trying to bring us to that place that we trust in him. This is what I found. That you trust God to to the degree you know God. Jesus said these simple words, have faith in God. It didn't say have faith in faith. It says have faith in God. So here's a simple thing. The more I know God, the more I will trust God. The less I know God, the less I will trust him. How can you truly trust someone you don't really know? Is that right? And so the more I the more I become intimate with God, the more I begin to know Him, the more I grow in my my relationship with Him, the more I will grow in my trust with Him. It's when I'm distant from Him. It's when I'm not living in an intimate, close relationship with Him that often unbelief can enter my heart. You trust God in the areas that you have revelation of who, he, who, of who he is. For example, if I have a revelation and I know that I know that I know that God loves me, then regardless what happens, I still trust in his love. Is that right? Because I have a revelation of my at love. I'm established in the love of God. And nothing happens will ever make me question whether God loves me. Amen? Because there's a revelation of that. I I know he loves me. I'm established in that fact. If I'm not established in that fact, when the problems come, when the difficulties come, I will question whether he really loves me. Because I've never had a true revelation. I'm not truly established in that. I think one of the things that we need to really establish in our hearts and really get a revelation of, and I talk about it a lot really, is to know God is good. Not everything that happens to us is good. So I need to have revelation that God is good and because he's good, he will turn around all those things to work together for good because he is good. You can see that. And I need to have that revelation in my heart. God, 
I know that you are good and you are good to all. Because I know you. I, I have an understanding. I, because I know you, I know you're good. I know you're all loving. I know you're all powerful. I know you're all mighty. I know nothing's impossible for you. And the more I begin to know the character and who God is, then faith is not going to be an issue. Amen? Unbelief comes out of lack of understanding of who God is. What does the Bible say? The Bible speaks that, that, that out of our ignorance, out of our lack of understanding, people are destroyed by what? Lack of knowledge or lack of understanding. So heavenly say, God, I want to know you more. Amen? I want to grow in my knowledge and my understanding of you. Now, doubt is the doorway to unbelief. That's where unbelief comes in. It comes in through doubt. Doubt is uncertainty in God's word. To doubt is to lack confidence in God's God's word, God's power, God's ability. And often we need to see how dangerous doubt is. Jesus said that all things are possible to him who believes, not him who understands. See, sometimes it's, it's easy to, to believe what is reasonable rather than believe what is impossible. Amen? And so, often we, we allow doubt to go into our hearts. And the moment we begin to doubt, then it leads us to levels of unbelief. But the unbelief didn't start off with unbelief. It began with doubt. I'm going to see that. That was the doorway. That's what brought the unbelief in. It's when the moment you began to doubt. Think about this. How does faith come? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Doesn't it say that? So think of it the other way. How do you think unbelief comes? It comes by hearing. Listening to your doubts. Listening to your circumstances. Listening to your feelings. Listening to your reasonings. And the more you listen to that, the more unbelief begins to get in. We listen to our past experiences. What holds people back from faith? Often you measure it by your past experiences. Or you measure it by other people's experiences. We can't afford to bring the word of God down to our level of experience. But what we need to do is to lift the level of our experience up to the word of God. Amen? Ever heard this expression? Without a shadow of doubt. How many of you have ever said that? You know, it's almost an expression of confidence. Without a shadow of doubt. And I was thinking about that kind of, uh, that term we use. Where did it come from? It came from this idea, almost, that a shadow is almost something that, that comes over something. And when we say there's no shadow, we're actually saying there's absolutely no doubt 
remains. No shadow, no doubt remains. In other words, it's so far from doubt, no shadow remains. Now think about this in your head. A shadow is caused by light being blocked. Is that right? That's what causes a shadow. The sunlight, something blocks the light and now that shadow. Do you remember when you were a child? I used to love that. You used to, used to look at your shadow and your shadow was usually twice the size as you was. You know, and you used to laugh at how, you know, your shadow was literally out there and right out there sort of thing. And your shadow was so vast. In other words, your shadow was not a true picture of, of, who, of who you was, an expression of your height and everything else. It wasn't a true reflection of it. And that's what doubt does. Doubt is a shadow that gives a wrong impression of your situation, of your circumstance. It allows a blockage to God working and moving in your life. It casts a shadow over what you believe. Here's what I've learned. Doubt your doubts and believe your belief. When the enemy tries to come up with your doubts, say, I doubt that. Doubt your doubts and believe your believing. Turn me to Matthew 17, verse 20. Have you ever thought about this? Here is what Jesus teaches us. Here's a situation when the disciples brought a son. The disciples couldn't cast out a devil. Remember that situation? And they asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast that devil out? And here's what Jesus said to them in verse 20 of Matthew 17. What did he say the reason was? He said, because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you as faith, as a mustard seed, that you will say to this mountain, move from here and there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. Now, here's the thing I want you to see. You don't need a mountain-sized faith to move a mountain. He actually said, the, only, the, le- the size of the faith that you need to move a mountain, how did it, big did he say it was? It's the size of a mustard seed. You know, mustard seed is one of the... It's almost microscopic. The smallest of seeds... So Jesus wasn't talking in the sense of the, of the measure, the, 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 the size of your faith. He's actually saying all you need is the size of a mustard seed, minute. What does that mean? Does that tell what it means? It means it's a faith that's not diluted. It's not a mixture. It's pure faith. It's not the size of it, it's the fact that it's pure. It's faith without unbelief. Now, that, let's look at, let's just think about that through. Matthew 11, verse, here's the same kind of situation. There's another similar situation. Mark 11, verse 23. I want you to get this idea that it's not the size, it's the fact you, you don't allow impurities to, to, to cause your faith to become impure. Jesus teaches it again in Matthew, so Mark 11, verse 23. So he says, For assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed, cast into the sea, and notice this, and does not what? Doubt 
in his heart. But believes those things he says, it will be done. He will have whatever he says. What's he saying? He's saying you can't mix faith with unbelief. The less unbelief you have, then the more faith you will have. I mean, you see that? And this is what I'm saying. He says, it's not, he's not saying you need more faith. What he's saying is you need less unbelief. Sometimes we focus on the faith rather than trying to remove the unbelief. The less unbelief I have, the more faith I will have. Just the size of a mustard seed. Pure, undiluted trust in God. See, at the end of the day, every single believer has a measure of faith. Every one of us has a measure of faith. It's up to us to develop that faith. To cause our faith to grow. To, to, to cause our hearts, to purify our hearts from unbelief so our hearts become more trusting and more dependent on God. And the less unbelief I have, the greater my faith will be. Can you say amen? You can't mix them. Unbelief and faith can't be together. You've got to remove the unbelief and as the unbelief is removed, so the faith will grow and increase. Can you say amen? Now, let me just say a few things about unbelief. Here's the first things. Unbelief thinks according to the natural realm. What people see what they reason, what they feel, often determines to some people what, they, what, what is true. Their belief, what is true, is based on how they feel, how their circumstances are, what they've reasoned out. How many have discovered that those things are not constant? What you feel is not constant, is that right? You may feel pretty not good right now. But tomorrow you could feel wonderful. Or you might feel wonderful now, but you might wake up in the morning and not feel so good. Is that right? I'm just talking about emotionally. We change. We, we can't depend how we feel. Our feelings are fickle. They change from one minute to another. So why would we trust our feelings? Why would we trust something that is so fickle? See, if I was to say to you, I think you're amazing. I think you're awesome. I think you're great. You're going to feel pretty good about yourself. Is that right? Thank you. I was, talking, I was looking at Jeff as I was saying that. But if tomorrow morning the boss says to you, you are the worst worker I've got in this, in this place right now. You are absolutely hopeless. You are absolutely rubbish. <laughs> Nothing personal. How many would say you feel good after that? Your feelings would change. Your circumstances change. They're not constant. They change continually and constantly. Your experiences change. Why? Our perceptions change. You may have a certain perception now, but something could change your perception. Ever, ever struggle with a certain person and you're, you have a certain perception of them? But then they say to you, you are an amazing person. And suddenly your perception changes. And you say, well, they're not too bad after all, actually. Yeah, they're a pretty good guy, you know. I kind of like them. Your whole perception has changed because of what they said. 
And often we're like that. Our perceptions change from day to day. And yet we so often put our reliance on things that are not constant, that change. Where I've discovered this. This word doesn't change, is that right? It's constant. It's reliable. It's the same. The Bible says that Jesus himself is the same today, yesterday, today and forever. So why do we put such reliance and dependence on things that change in a moment? Rather than trust something that is totally and completely unchangeable from one moment from the day to the next. Amen. Next thing about unbelief. Unbelief resists change. As believers, we're meant to change from one dimension of glory to another. In other words, we're in this constant change of transformation. All the time we're changing, we've been transformed. More, we should be coming more and more like Jesus day after day. Can you say amen? All the time. We're being transformed and changed into the likeness of Christ. Unbelief hinders the change. And I'll tell you why that is. Because we grow in God by learning to depend on him more. That's how you grow. You think about it. The times, when, when have you grown as a Christian? So tell me when it's been, when you've had to rely more on God. The more you rely on him, the more you tend to change. It's when you do something you've never done before. And you're kind of right out there. And saying, God, unless you turn up, this isn't going to work. And those are the moments that you really change as a Christian. That's the moment, that's the times you really grow. Somebody said, the way you spell faith is R-I-S-K. It's when you're out of the boat, when you're stepping out, when you're taking the risk, when, when you're not relying on yourself, you're just trusting in God, saying, God, I know you've called me to do this, I know I can't do it, but I'm just trusting and relying on you. Those are the moments you grow and, and, and change as a Christian. Is that right? But what about if we never are willing to step out? What about if we're never willing to trust God or we're dependent on God? That means our faith will be stunted and that will mean that we'll never really grow because we only do things that we feel comfortable in doing. We only do things that we feel we have the strength and the ability to do. We only do the things that we know we're able to do. And so we never grow, we never mature in our walk with God because we're not maturing in our ability to trust him more being willing to step out and saying God I'm taking a risk I'm stepping out but I'm relying on you depending on you and those are the times when God turns up how many found that? it's when you've got nothing else to rely on everything else is gone and all you've got is God and those are the times you'll find God the strength the ability, the power, the grace kicks in at those moments. Can you say amen? Next thing about change. Unbelief, sorry, will block miracles. Unbelief will block miracles. Ever ask yourself this question? I do, continually. Why don't we see the same miracles here that we see often in the third world or we see in Asia? Why aren't we seeing those kind of miracles in the Western world? Instead of Jesus, that when, notice this, he went to his hometown in Nazareth, he couldn't do any miracles there. Why couldn't he do any miracles there? 
the Bible says, was because of their, what? Unbelief. Emily, no, the problem wasn't with Jesus. Is that right? He's still anointed. He's still performing miracles. The problem was with the hearts of the people. Their hearts were full of unbelief. And I think it's true often in the Western world. I think Western Christianity has been so affected by rationalism, scepticism, and materialism. It's blocked and hindered our faith. If you go to the third world, how many have found that if you've been to the third world? They have no often problem in trusting God. You know why that is? Because they've got nothing else to trust. We've got too many other props. We've got too many other things we can go to. But often in those nations, they've got nowhere else they can run to but God. They've got no doctors they can run to. They've got no financial means they can run to. All they have is God. And that's why they see the miracles. Amen? Anybody who God wants to do that in our age. If he's the same today, yesterday, forever, if he did miracles 2,000 years ago, he can still do it today. Is that right? The issue is whether we believe he can do it. With, with God, nothing is what? Impossible. It's faith. It's our reliance. It's our dependence on what God wants. We have, we've got to lay down the option and say, God, I'm going to believe you. Faith lives, next thing is, Faith lives within the revealed will of God. Faith begins where the will of God is known. When you know the will of God, faith will exist in the known will of God. And I think we often have misconceptions of God and who God is. That's why I've said earlier, you need to begin to to, to break misconceptions and views and misconceptions of God. I think if we have a wrong view of God, a misconception of who God is, then it will limit our faith. And so many Christians struggle with their misconceptions of who God is. They, they have a wrong view of God. They have, they have all kinds of wrong ideas and wrong thoughts about who God is. And it affects and limits their faith. And I think the more we... Let me just say this. Faith, think about this. Faith is anchored in the invisible. Unbelief is anchored in the visible. Because faith... You walk, we walk by what? Faith, not by sight. So if I can see it, it's not faith. Because faith is anchored in what you cannot see, where unbelief is anchored in what you can see. And in our Western materialistic world, we are so dependent on what we can see, where true faith is anchored in what we can't see. Think about what faith is. Faith is the evidence of things what? Not seen. So what is the evidence of what I can see whether it exists? If I can't see, how do I know it exists? For example, my watch. By the way, uh, my other watch, remember my other watch? My Cambodian Rolex watch, remember that? Uh, It needs a lot of prayer at the moment, that watch. Uh, (laughs) uh, I'm trying to resurrect it to life at the moment. The point is, if I put my watch behind my back and say I have a watch behind my back, What's the evidence that watch exists? Simply because I've said that watch exists. That's the evidence of what I say. You can't see, but the evidence is what I say. And God says, the evidence of what you cannot see exists is because I say it exists. You see, healing exists because God says it exists. Amen? Needs being met exists because God says he's able to meet our needs. 
His love exists because he says his love exists. His grace exists because he says his grace exists. I take what I cannot see in the invisible realm into the visible realm by believing what God says is true. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Now, very quickly, let me finish with this. So much more to say, but let me just say this as I close. How do we remove unbelief from our hearts? How do we sort of remove it? Here's the first thing. Recognize it and repent of it. Recognize the attitude. Recognize the mindset. Recognize where unbelievers enter their hearts. Where we've questioned God's character. Where we've questioned God's integrity. Where we've questioned God's word. Recognize it. Repent of it and renounce it. And when we do that, we will recover the territory of our hearts that we've surrendered to unbelief. Second thing is, examine your heart. Where did doubt get in in the first place? How did it get in? Did some disappointment get in? Was it through some unanswered prayer? Was it through a difficult circumstance? Was it through a breakthrough that seemed to take longer than what you thought? Where did the doubt get in? Recognize it and deal with it. In other words, close the door to where unbelief might sneak in. Let me quote a writer, a woman called Edith Armstrong. She said something I thought was amazing. She said, I keep the telephone of my mind open to peace, harmony, health, love and abundance. Then whenever doubt, anxiety or fear try to call, they keep getting a busy signal and soon they forget my number. One of the things is, if you ever, ever had a, have you ever had a problem when you've had to go, when you've had high cholesterol? High cholesterol hardens the arteries and can harden the heart. So it's a big issue. So that they measure your cholesterol. And if you ever, if they ever say you've got too much cholesterol, your cholesterol's too high, you know what they tell you to do? Basically, change your diet. Change your diet from high cholesterol food. Whatever causes high cholesterol, change your diet. And I would say that to our own hearts today. Change your spiritual diet from a high, saturated doubt. Change it. Refuse to open the door to doubt. Third thing is, very quickly, decide from now on you're going to trust God. Make a quality decision that says, God, regardless of what happens, regardless of the challenge, regardless of what comes, I am going to make a quality decision, whatever it is, I am going to fully trust you. And very quickly, renew the way you think. Where does doubt really begin? Where does unbelief begin? It begins in your mind, is that right? That's where the thoughts happen. So renew your mind. How do you renew your mind primarily? By meditating on the Word. Just think on the Word of God. Meditate on the Word. Think on the Word. Give time to your meditation on the Word of God. And as you meditate and think on the Word, it begins to alter and change the way that you think. It begins to remove the doubt. It begins to break the unbelief in your life. 
Unbelief often is a result because we just don't spend time enough in the Word. Spend time meditating and thinking on the Word. I wrote down very quickly what, the, what, what, what a definition of, of meditation is in Webster's Dictionary. It means to think on, to revolve your mind, to mutter, to ponder, to imagine, to speak, to study. All those things need to be right part of your life, a very, very important part of your walk with God. And finally, a close of this. Fight the good fight. That's what the Bible says. Fight the good fight of faith. One thing you'll find is the moment you say, God, I'm going to trust you, there's a fight that's going to go on there. Amen. You're going to have to fight against circumstances that seem contrary, that seem to defy it. We have to, we've got to fight against wanting to feel... How many want to, sometimes you, want to just want, you just want to feel sorry for yourself. You, know? you just want to feel so sorry for yourself. You so want to do that. And you want to moan. You want to complain. But the Bible says, keep the good fight of faith. Keep praising. Keep standing on God's word. Keep trusting him. Because at times, it will be a fight. And I think the big thing you're going to have to fight more than anything else is fear. Fear will absolutely try to rise up against your faith. Fear that causes us to doubt God's love. Causes us to be afraid to, to believe God because we don't want to be disappointed. Fear that God's word won't work this time. Fear of failure. Fear of rejection. And so we need to fight fear. We need to reject it. We need to renounce it. And say, God, this is a fight. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to rely on you. I'm going to trust you in this situation. I refuse to allow unbelief and doubt in my heart. Because I have said, I'm trusting in you at all times. Let's just stand right now for him right now. Let's just spend these moments and say, God, I, I examine my heart right now. I want to root out all there is a fear and, and doubt and unbelief. Just examine your heart. Whatever the challenges you're facing right now, say, God, I'm going to trust you. I believe that you're going to come you're going to come. You're going to come out for me, God. You're not going to fail. You're not going to let me down. But you're going to turn this thing around. And I'm going to come out of it better and stronger than what I did before. Spend these moments and say, Lord, I just want to give those things to him right now and believe that, that you're going to trust him. You're going to believe there's a need there. God's going to come into that situation and meet that need. Maybe an impossible circumstance. And you're going to believe God for a miracle in that situation. Maybe if you're healing, it may be for some other situation right now. But you're just going to believe God to come into the midst of it. Faith is... Have faith in God. Just reach out to him right now and say, God, forgive me for not believing you or trusting you. 
for trusting in my feelings, for trusting in my circumstances, for doubting your word, for, for doubting your goodness, for doubting your love, for questioning you. Lord, I trust you right now. I put my confidence in the Most High God. I look to the hills because that's where my help is going to come from. That's where my strength is. That's where my power is. That's where my ability is. I look to you right now. The Bible says, don't trust in chariots or trust in men. Put your trust in the Lord. So this we're going to do like a, we're going to do another heart procedure. Right now, first we're asking to forgive you for any doubts and fears and unbelief in your heart that's there. Say, Lord, forgive me for that unbelief. Forgive me for I've not trusted you. Forgive me for trying to reason it out and work it out and try and, and not really trusting you. Right now, Lord, forgive me for that. And then secondly, give that to God. Give the situation over to him. And trust him. No, it may be a fight. Maybe at times the enemy will come against you. But you're making a quality decision. Say, God, I put my trust in you. Father, I just come before you today, right now. and You know every heart. You know every situation. You know every circumstance. And Lord, we, we want to be people that would trust you. We want to be people of faith today. Lord, we want to be people that in whatever the situation is, that we want to put our trust in you, the living God. And so, Lord, right now, I pray, let faith arise in every heart. Let, let there be a new reliance and a new trust in you, the Most High God. And I pray right now that you would cause faith to arise. And I pray for many testimonies, many miracles that would be released right now in this situation. Lord, because that we've put our trust in you, Thank you, Lord, today that you will not fail us, that you will not let us down. Lord, thank you that you are faithful and dependable. Thank you that your word will not fail. (coughs) The grass may wither, (coughs) but the word of the Lord abides forever. And so, Lord, we trust you with all our hearts and we lead not to our own understanding. In your mighty name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.